Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. We are finishing up this short series we began a couple weeks ago titled Uphill Habits. And the purpose of the series was to help us take inventory of our lives, our habits, both good and bad, and eliminate as many of the bad ones as possible and hopefully start some good or some godly ones. And the thesis or the main idea of this series is found in this statement here. Most people have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. And the reason it usually plays out that way is because we form habits, but then those habits form us. See, this is a topic that I think most people can relate to, especially this time of year as as we embark on a new year. This is always a time of year when people think of maybe making some changes. I think we call them resolutions. But this is a time when people take inventory of their lives and hope to make some changes, hope to lose some weight, hope to get out of debt, hope to start reading the Bible more, hope to start going to church more, hope to start spending more time with their kids. And see, we talked about how, you know, while hope is a good thing in this regard, it's a good initiator, it's a good starter, it's a very poor sustainer. See, hope, hope helps us get started addressing these changes, but it usually will run out of steam and fails to, help us, fails to help us follow through with those changes we're wanting to make. That's why 80% of all New Year's resolutions are broken by Valentine's Day. That's also why the ancient Greek philosopher Aristotle nailed it when he said, we are what we repeatedly do. See, it's not, it's not what we say we're going to do. It's what we actually do. See, see, if you tell me that you're committed to, to uh, starting to eat healthier, you know, change your lifestyle, and then uh, you're telling me that as you're eating a Krispy Kreme and, and chasing it down with some chocolate milk, I'm sorry, I'm going to believe the Krispy Kreme and chocolate milk, right? That's just kind of how it is, right? Our theme verse for this series is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, where the Apostle Paul said this, and this is out of the message paraphrase. He said, fix your attention on God, you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. See, those first four words are are the key to unlocking the power to sustain you as you seek to change your bad habits. Because when we stay focused on God, see, we 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 won't be making just cosmetic changes, outward changes, because outward changes don't last. We're, we're out to make lasting changes. Hopefully, that's what the goal is. You want to make lasting changes. But lasting changes can only take place when we're changed from the inside out. And that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit as we, as Paul says here, as we stay focused on God or, as he says, keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And then he continues, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you develops well-informed maturity in you. So not only, listen, not only does God want to bring the best out of you, and I told you this last week, we here at Family Church are also committed to bringing the best out of you if you would give us that opportunity. And see, that only happens as you mature in your relationship with God. That's why pretty much everything that we do here at Family Church is designed to help you grow in your faith and take those next steps. That's why you constantly hear us talking about taking your next step in your relationship with God. See, each of those steps are designed to help you grow spiritually, or as the Apostle Paul said here, bring the best 
out of you and help bring well-informed maturity to your relationship with God, but also with others. Now, as far as the bad habits, I'm leaving that up to the Holy Spirit and you to kind of sort that out, because even though many of us might share some of those same bad habits, still, it's going to look different for all of us. That's why we're focusing on the good or godly habits. And while there are many that we could choose from, we're targeting three specific ones for this series. And those three ones have kind of kind of guided us through these past couple of weeks and as we conclude this morning. In week one, we talked about our thought life, and the challenge was to control your thoughts. See, most people don't realize that the Bible really has a lot to say about your thought processes and, and how it affects your lives, your daily lives, more than you might realize. And the truth is, you'll never change your life until you change the way that you think. Then last week, we talked about establishing the habit of alignment, specifically keeping our lives, getting our lives, and keeping our lives aligned with God's purpose. The things that make up your daily life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what your priorities are regarding your marriage and family, if you have children, these are things that should not just be randomly approached like many people do. See, if you're a Jesus follower, you need to start living by design, not by default, which is why you should make your life, get your life in alignment with God's plan for your life. Because when you know why you exist, when you, when you understand why you're on this planet in the first place, it really does help bring some clarity to your life. It doesn't mean all your problems are going to go away, but it does mean that you have built a, or are working on a solid foundation upon which to build your life, but it also gives us divine resources to help us while we're dealing with these, these problems, these bad habits. So as we conclude our series this morning, we're going to talk about the habit, and this is probably the most important one because if, if you get this one down, this will actually help with the other two that we talked about. Choosing, we're talking about relationships, specifically choose your relationships carefully. Now maybe you never thought about this before, but for better or for worse, you are who you are today because of people you have established a relationship with in your past up until this point. See, this is something that I really wished I would have understood early in my faith journey. Because for the first two years of my relationship with God, honestly, it could best be described as a roller coaster or one step forward, two step backs, backwards. And, and this my, I'll own it. It was my fault. This wasn't God's fault that I wasn't growing like he wanted me to. I mean, you know, I, I'd be excited one week and then the next week I'd be down. But the reason why it was like that is because I had a hard time severing my old relationships with some people that weren't really encouraging me in my walk with God, but rather encouraging me in my old lifestyle that God was trying to set me free from. So when I was with them, I would do the things that I used to do before surrendering my life to the, to the Lord. But see, then it was like a domino effect. And you know how this works. You, you guys all know how this works. You know, I, I'd hang out with my old friends and I'd do some things that I knew would be uh, un, unpleasing to God. And uh, so then afterwards, I'd, I'd repent but, you know, then, then the devil would kind of start hammering me with, with guilt and accusations. So I'd feel guilty, and I'd feel condemned, and I'd feel like a hypocrite, calling myself a Christian, and then going out and doing some of those things. And that's the accusation of the devil. You know, one of the names, this is interesting, one of the names that the Bible gives to Satan is the accuser. Did you know that? In Revelation 12, verse 10, it, it, calls, it calls the devil the accuser. And, but here's the thing. The reason Satan's accusations can be so crippling to us is because they're true. You ever thought about that? 
It, it, it does. You ought to read your Bible sometimes. It, it says that Satan stands before God accusing us. And you know what? What he's accusing us of is true. And that's why it stings so much. That, that's why it hurts so much, right? But that's also why Jesus had to die for us. So we could be cleansed from our sins and set free from that guilt, right? I need to be careful here. I'm going to start preaching, right? How's the song go? Then we just sang it. Then you stepped into my grave laughing at my guilt and shame. Why? Because of the blood of the Lamb. But see, I didn't really understand that at that point in my walk with God, right? I didn't realize how damaging that was, hanging out with my old friends one week and then trying to be a Christian the next week. Finally, after pretty much almost two years, maybe a little bit more, I finally made the decision to make a clean break. And I did. And I packed up everything that I owned, and I moved to Dallas, Texas, and I attended Bible school where I could surround myself with people who could encourage me in my walk with God and in my faith journey. The point being, you need to do whatever it takes to begin surrounding yourself with people who can encourage you in your walk with God. Choose your relationships carefully because your relationship choices, in in, in a very real way, they're they're the most important choices that you're going to make in your life. They really are. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And if you doubt me, let, let, let me, let me prove it to you from the Bible. Proverbs 27, 19 says, a mirror reflects a man's face. Okay, so you look in a mirror and you see a reflection of yourself. But see, that's not, that's not really who you are. It's just a reflection. He goes on. But what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he, say this next word with me, chooses. Huge word. It shows us we have control over this, right? This is something that we have control over, right? So if this is true, if this is true, and it is, I'm going to give you four things that you can, that you need to do regarding your relationships. Number one, nurture your important relationships. Nurture your important relationships. See, all of us have relationships that are important, more important than others. You know, hopefully God's on that short list of important relationships. But you need to understand, those relationships aren't just randomly good or randomly bad. No, those relationships are where they are because of what you have invested in them or have not invested in them, right? For example, marriage. You think about marriage. Uh, If your marriage isn't all that you had hoped it would be, had intended it would be, uh, that's not the marriage's fault. That's at least partly your fault. Your marriage is where it's at today because of what you have invested in it. A while back, I was talking to a guy who was telling me, (laughs) that uh, his marriage was struggling. I said, well, what's going on? He said, uh, he said well, the, the passion was gone. There's no more spark. No more spark. You know, that, that, I said, you know what? That, that's, like, that's like saying the fireplace is bad because there's no fire in it. Right? If you want a fire, well, you've got to invest in that, right? Back before this storm was going to be coming through earlier in the week. You know, we had some firewood out there. So before the rain and the snow came, I went out and I brought some wood, put it in the garage, you know, to get it out of there. And then I brought some and put it in the fireplace. Then I got some fire starters when, when, the, when the front actually came through. And then I built that fire. And then once the fire is going, if, you, if, you're, if you're careful to, you know, invest in it and tend to it, see, it's easier to keep a fire going than it is to start one again, right? You see what I'm saying here? You, you get out of your relationships what you invest in it. Right? Some of you need to go get some wood. Some of you need to get some kindling starters. Some of, some of you need to you know, put your coat on, put your coat, your, your cap on, maybe strap your boots on, go out there and get some wood. Now, I'm not talking about those of you that have those mamsy-pamsy flip-on switch fireplaces. No, 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 like my dad has. No, 
Now, I'm talking about, you know, the old school fireplace where, you know, you've got to invest in it. You've got to go out and get that wood. And some of you need to do that. It takes work to keep a relationship going. But listen to me, and this, this is important. Just because it takes work to keep a relationship going doesn't mean it's a bad relationship. Let me say that again. Just because it takes work to keep a good relationship doesn't mean it's a bad relationship. Look, you, you guys know this. My, my wife's an angel. That's not just me. Anyone who knows my wife would say, you know what, your, your wife is an angel. But I got to tell you, it ain't easy living with an angel. You know, them, them wings slapping me upside the head, you know, and blinded from her halo walking around the house, right? It ain't as easy as you think. I've got the best wife in the world. But it still takes work to make our marriage what we both want it to be. And Sue would tell you that as well. That's one reason why we got involved in the marriage encounter ministry, and some of you have been to marriage encounter. If you have not attended one, I want to encourage you to, to attend one. We're going to be starting our relationship series for better or for worse next week, and so I'm, I'm kind of going to be plugging this. In fact, you're going to get a couple things in, in the email, social media this week, kind of talking about that, and I'm going to show a clip next week. Um, but Sue and I both would strongly encourage you to attend, prayerfully con consider attending a marriage encounter weekend. We've got one coming up in St. Louis at the end of this month, and then one in Wichita at the end of March. Um, prayerfully consider investing in your marriage and family by attending one of those weekends. It is, like, it is unlike any other marriage conference seminar that you have ever attended one if you've been to one. Go to the website, agme.org, and I'll talk more about this going forward, agme.org. And if this sounds like a commercial, it's because it is, you know, because Sue and I believe very strongly in this ministry because so much, listen, so much of what God wants to do is accomplished through our marriages. It, it, it really is. Marriages that are functioning the way that God intended them to function. And, and, and the neat thing about Marriage Encounter is, is how it, 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 it's, it's kind of a one-size-fits-all, no matter where your marriage is at. You know, Marriage Encounter Weekend will help a struggling marriage, but it'll, you know, Sue and I had a good marriage when we attended. But you know what? We had no idea how good it could be. So it, it will help a struggling marriage. It, it will take a, a good marriage to better, and it will take a, a better marriage to best. That's just kind of how what it is. You know, that's, that's kind of how it's designed. And, yes, it is a commitment. It is a weekend commitment. But I'd like, I'd like for you to maybe ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, how much is my marriage worth to me? How much is my marriage worth to me? And second, when was the last time I invested something in my marriage? So be honest. And answer those questions. See, simply put, and maybe you know this, but simply put, the reason you have to work at your marriage is because there's an enemy out there who doesn't want your marriage to succeed. Is it worth fighting for and maintaining? Absolutely. So don't, don't, don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up. Start nurturing your important relationships. Now, for some of you, that's your marriage. For some of you, it might be your family, maybe your children or, or child. Uh, but even if you're not married, look, even if you're not married, we all have relationships that are important to us and influential in our lives. And if we're not careful, listen, if we're not careful to nurture and invest in them, there's no guarantee that those relationships will continue to encourage and nurture and benefit us. Don't wait till something happens before nurturing a relationship. You take the initiative to lead the way because when choices lead, feelings follow. Why is this important? Pastor, why is this even important? I'll tell you why. Actually, I'll let the Apostle Peter tell you why. 1 Peter 4, verses 7 and 8. He says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. 
you know, as, as I was studying this this past week, reading over that verse, you know, I thought to myself, I don't think there's ever been a time, at least in my lifetime, where this verse has been more relevant. You think about it, aside from the physical carnage that this pandemic has caused, I, don't, I, I doubt that there are a few times in history where our country has been so polarized, so on edge. I don't recall ever having to be so careful about what I say, right? Right? So deliberate. To the point that you're not even allowed to remain neutral on any topic, are you? People won't allow you to. They want to push you to one side or the other. Because in this day and age, disagreeing with someone is equated with hating them. And see, when you live in that toxic type of environment for very long, it, 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 it can kind of catch up with you, and you don't even realize it. Yesterday, we went to Costco. Actually, went to both Sam's and one Costco trying to find a specific thing. And it's crowded. You know, you've been to Costco on a Saturday. It's a zoo. You know? So we're driving through the parking lot. So we're driving down this one aisle, and I see this, I see this car backing out. So I'm thinking, you know, I put my blinker on. You know? So I'm going to get that. Well, as the car backs out, I see there's another car kind of there that I assumed was you know, wanting to get that same spot. But it just so happens that the car backed out in a way where I could zip in there real quick. You know, and so I did. And I, I saw the guy that we wanted, and he kind of pulled up behind us. You know, I got out. I just looked down. I didn't, I just, I didn't even look at him. You know, honestly, there was a time I wouldn't. I'm a peacemaker. Look, look I took the strength finder. My top, my top uh, strength is harmony. Where did that come from? Where did that come from, you know? Seriously, it's like we're living in a day and age where, man, we really need to be careful and intentional about doing what Peter says to do here, right? We need to nurture our relationships at any level. So second, second thing, restore my broken relationships, Restore my broken relationships. Now, no question, this, this can be a very painful thing, but what you need to know is the pain of fixing a broken relationship is not nearly as painful as an ongoing broken relationship. See, the other hurdle here is, you know, there, there's two people involved, at least usually at least two, and if both parties aren't on board and committed to restoring the relationship, at that point, there's not a whole lot that you can do about it going forward, right? I said there's not a whole lot. But there is something you can do in those situations. The Apostle Paul tells us what to do in those instances when the other person isn't interested in restoring the relationship. In Romans 12, 17 to 18, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that verse because look at all the contingencies it's got on it. You know, hey, I'm asking you to do this. If it's possible, you know, try to do what you can. I, I, know, I know there's no guarantees here. At least Paul was very honest and candid in saying that. He says, and if you can't live at peace with them, then at least live at peace with yourself. Settle in your heart that, that no matter what they do or don't do, you, you've got to choose to forgive them. You've got to choose to forgive them. You know, it's not a coincidence that Jesus included forgiveness in the prayer template that he gave his disciples when they asked him to teach them to pray. And I think this is something that we should do each day, asking, asking forgiveness and asking who we should forgive. And, and, and don't underestimate how important that is because choosing, choosing not to forgive never hurts the other person, and it always hurts us. That's just how it is. Not only that, the Apostle Paul tells us that our being forgiven 
is inexplicably tied to us forgiving other people. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive. And then here Paul puts the contingency on this command to forgive others. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see that? As the Lord forgave you. In other words, Paul's saying we all need forgiveness so bad that we really can't afford not to forgive other people. So for no other reason, do it for you. Do it for yourself. Nurture my important relationships. Restore my broken relationships. Thirdly, sever or at least redefine any harmful relationships. Now, up front, I need to qualify this statement because I'm not saying that you should sever your marriage. Okay? Just say, don't be saying, hey, pastor says it's time for you to go. See you. No, no, no. That, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the relationships that you have allowed into your life that you know aren't good for you. And I think pretty much all of us have some of those. Again, this is an area you're going to have to define, but if you're honest with yourself and with God, I think he'll show you any relationships that might fall into this category. So, you know what? I mean, you know, are you, is this relationship really encouraging you and helping you in your walk with me? Just be open and honest with God. And even as I'm, as I'm saying it, some of you, I think God's already, the Holy Spirit's already brought some to mind, or maybe one to mind. So you need to have that conversation with the Lord. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. He'll show you any of those relationships that would fall into that category. And, and, and I purposefully included the, the word harmful here because there are some relationships that you can't sever. Relationships that you didn't choose, they chose you. And I'm talking about family and extended family. See, those are relationships that you can't really sever, but you can redefine them and place some healthy boundaries around them. Solomon says in Proverbs, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Sometime real soon, you need to ask yourself a tough question. Am I in companion with any fools? The Apostle Paul addressed the same thing, only he worded it a little differently. 1 Corinthians 15, 53, he says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Again, the goal here is to help you take inventory of your relationships, identify any harmful relationships that might be hindering God's purpose from being realized in your life, and begin pursuing good relationships that will help you as you seek to do God's will. And you do this by nurturing the good relationships, restoring the broken relationships, severing or redefining any harmful relationships, and lastly, we do this by... And again, this one will kind of make the other three uh, easier for us. Initiating some meaningful relationships. Maybe you have to start some new relationships. Now, for some, this might be the most difficult of the four because a lot of people just simply, you know, they're, they're not into starting a new relationship. And it's interesting because the, I think the Bible actually recognizes this and addresses it. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not giving up meeting together as some are in the, and here's our word, habit of doing. See that? Not giving up or meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. It's a habit we need to get out of. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And that word day is capitalized because it's talking about this day and age that we're living in, the end times. Now, for most of us, it's not that we don't want to establish new relationships. We just don't. <laughs> we just don't. And because we don't, see, not making any friends becomes a bad habit that we form. And the default mechanism in most of us 
pushes us, pushes us away from starting new relationships. And see, this is, let me talk to the guys for a second because you know this is especially true for you, isn't it? This is especially true for guys because guys tend to be more independent and self-sufficient. And honestly, it does take work to establish a new relationship. And, and it can be scary establishing a new relationship. All the unknowns, right? All the unknowns. I mean, you put yourself out there, you know, investing in a, in a new relationship. What happens if it doesn't work out? Well, but what happens if it does? You think about some of the best friends you have today. Did it start out a little bit uneasy? I'm sure it didn't start out real smooth. But, you know, it, it's, it was a little rocky. But as you invested in it, it became better and better. And now some of the closest relationships you have, you can think, man, I'm so glad I did that. Because you got past that thing of that, that bad habit of not establishing good relationships. So don't let fear or uncertainty prevent you from initiating some new godly friendships and relationships. And honestly, for some of you, the hardest part is just being willing to examine your relationships. Because some of you are in relationships that, come on, you know they're, they're probably not good for you. You know they're not good. But for various reasons, you're choosing not to do anything about them. And if that's you, listen to your pastor here. If that's you, reconsider there. Commit that to the Lord and just say, Lord, search my heart here. Search my heart. Give me the grace and strength to sever that if I need to. Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Here's how the psalmist put it. The psalmist said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See, what it comes down to is this. God awareness helps your self-awareness. So I want to conclude by challenging you to, to, uh, to initiate or invest in what I believe is the, because there's a lot of different directions we can go from here, but I think this one here is the single most important relationship you'll ever have, and I'm talking about your relationship with, with your church, with your church. Develop my relationship with my church. Everybody, listen, everybody needs my church. It doesn't have to be this church. I mean, I'm inviting for you to be this church. But everyone needs to belong to and identify with a local church. Did you know that there are 30 verses in the New Testament alone you cannot do apart from being a part of a local church? Did you know that? That's true. In fact, when you read the Bible, you'll see that it makes, an, it, the Bible actually assumes that you're going to get plugged into a local church. It does. Ephesians 2.19. You are members, not attenders. You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Folks, you'll get so much more out of a relationship when you commit to that relationship, and that's never more true than when it comes to your relationship with a local church. You know, when Sue and I first started dating, we had an attender type of relationship. You know, I'd go pick her up. We'd go out. I'd take her back to her dorm, drop her off, and go back to my dorm. But at one point, at some point, we transitioned from attender relationship to member relationship. And how many of you know membership has its privileges, right? But it also has its responsibilities. It has its responsibilities. But I'm telling you, dear ones, you'll never discover what a relationship can be until you go all in. And that is never more true than when it applies to your relationship with a local church. Now, okay, I understand that there are times when people are still trying to figure things out spiritually with God, Jesus, church, and all that. So if you're, if you're relatively new to faith or, or coming back to faith, right, 
then, uh, then you, you've got to pass for a little while. If you want to check us out, you want to walk around, kick the tire, so to speak, uh, that's fine. You know, you need to go where God has called you to go. But at some point, right, after the 10th lap around the pickup or the car kicking the tires, no, no, no. At some point, you've got to go and sign the papers, right? That's kind of how it is with the church. At some point, you need to find a place to belong. And just being very honest, to do what God's called us to do and go where God's called us to go, we, re- we need everyone on board. Because I'm telling you, we've got vision for this church that'll blow your mind. That'll blow your mind. We'll be sharing it over the next few months. But if you've been coming here for very long at all, you know that God's doing some pretty amazing things here. And those amazing things pose their own unique challenges. And to keep, to keep pace with what God's doing here, to go where God wants us to go, it's going to require everyone to be on board. This, this is all skate. This is all skate, all right? Everyone needs to be in with us. So I'm, I'm inviting you to jump in with us, right? That's why I'm inviting you to not just attend church, but to own, own the church. Take ownership of the place where God has called you to go. See, those chairs you're sitting in, th- those are your chairs, right? These, these drums, well, I don't know if Dustin might disagree with me. Those drums are your drums, but you can't come and play them, all right? That coffee back there is your coffee, I was um, standing over by the west doors one morning and uh, saw someone walking up to the church and there was a piece of paper uh, out on the, by the sidewalk and, and uh, as they walked by, they bent over and picked it up and they brought it in and they put it in the trash. I thought, yes, yes, this is my church. This is my church. You know, there are different ways to do church. If we're not your cup of tea, there are some other good churches. Check them out. Hopefully you get plugged into, I, I hope it's family church, but you need to belong somewhere. You need to belong somewhere. Let me pray for you. Well, first, I want to address those who may be sitting on the edge of Christianity or maybe sitting on the edge of, of family church, you know, kind of dipping your toes in, kicking the tires, but you really haven't jumped in yet. I think it's time for some of you to take that plunge. Time to sell out to your Heavenly Father and see, see how exciting that serving God can really be, can really be. And if there's any here, maybe you haven't even taken that first step of establishing a personal relationship with God, but would like to, but would like to. If that's you, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer where you can connect or, or maybe reconnect with God, the same God who invites you to call him Heavenly Father. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. You, you, you can say this prayer quietly or you can say it out loud, however you want to do it. It, it. It's not the words. It's not the words that you say. It's believing in your heart what you're about to pray. And I'm asking you to, with all your heart, believe what you're about to pray and just say, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Save me and help me to go all in with you. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died for me and that he rose from the dead for me. And today, I surrender my life to him, to you, Jesus. Help me begin living my life for you. Change me. Come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. And help me to do your will from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen.